You're listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast supported by Harvest Partners. For more ways to deepen and challenge your spiritual walk, enroll in Pastor Greg's free online courses. Sign up at Harvest.org. When we worship, we have to understand it's more than just singing. Worship is not just lifting your hands, it's lending your hand to someone in need. Worship is not just closing your eyes, it's opening your eyes to a lost world that desperately needs the gospel. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie points out, worship isn't so much an event, it's a lifestyle. It's allowing God to live through us. Worship is not just singing, worship is serving. This is the day when the lost are found. Worship is often underappreciated and misunderstood within the church. We know it's more than the songs we sing. It's more than the words of praise and the prayers we pray. But what is it really? Well, today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie gives us a good appreciation for worship as God defines it. It's one of the few things we can do on both this side of eternity and the other side as well. And today, we'll actually get a fascinating glimpse of the other side as seen through the eyes of Daniel. Well, we're going to grab our Bibles now. You've already done that. We're in Daniel chapter 7. The title of the message is God, the Future, and You. Daniel is now placed in what we might describe as a spiritual time machine. He was shown what was coming to the world. He sees the history of the world from his day to the last days. From Babylon, the kingdom he was in at this moment, to the reign of the Antichrist, which will be the final kingdom on this planet. So Daniel saw the future, then Daniel saw God. Look at verse nine. I beheld till the thrones are cast down, and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels burning fire, and a fiery stream issued and came forth before him, and thousands and thousands ministered to him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, and the judgment was set, and the books were open. Now, this is an awe-inspiring glimpse into heaven itself. Look, you want to know what heaven is like? You don't need to buy the latest book or watch the latest film of someone that says they died and went to heaven and read about them flying around on unicorns and rainbows and whatever fanciful things they may dream up. No. You want to know what heaven is like? Read the Bible. Everything you need to know about heaven is in the Bible. You don't have to go beyond the Scripture. Actually, you should not go beyond the Scripture. So here's a glimpse into glory. Here is God represented as the Ancient of Days. Uh, ancient of Days emphasizes His eternal nature. God has neither beginning nor end. And this physical description of God is not literal but symbolic because He doesn't wear clothes or have white hair. But it speaks of His holiness and purity. The fire speaks of judgment against sin and the wheels symbolize the continuous working of God 
in this world in ways that we cannot understand. This is a powerful, holy, righteous God that we're getting a glimpse of. You know for years I think the church talked a lot about the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, and told us we should have the fear of God. So you went into a church sanctuary, there was a reverent tone, a certain respect you would give, but then I think there was a swing in another direction. I think it was a good thing where we talked more about the love of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. But my question is, have we in some ways gone too far the other way? Should we not talk about both? Should we not talk about a loving, gracious, forgiving Father who longs for a relationship with us but not leave out the fact that He is holy and righteous and just? Those are all important. Because does not the Lord Himself say, Be holy as I am holy? And you know, I, I think there's so much worship today. I love worship. Like a whole, a whole kind of uh, culture of worship has developed. And I had the privilege of actually being around when what we call contemporary worship was born. It happened during the Jesus movement. And nowadays when we go to church, we don't find ourselves surprised that we see guitar amps and drum kits and lights and all the other stuff that we use. But back in the day, uh, you would never see those things in a church. You'd see an organ and a piano. And if they were on the cutting edge, an acoustic guitar, right? But then as the Lord intervened among a whole generation of young people who are now pretty old people, uh, <laughs> and I'm one of them, uh, the Jesus movement, you started seeing electric guitars in church and, and fresh new choruses being written. And now even more so, you have all these wonderful worship bands and worship leaders. And I think some of the best worship the church has ever had has been written in the last 20 years maybe. Incredible. So we're thankful for that for sure. But I think that uh, one thing we must never lose sight of is when we worship we have to understand it's more than just singing. Worship is more than just praying. It's more than just closing your eyes. Worship is not just lifting your hands. It's lending your hand to someone in need. Worship is not just closing your eyes. It's opening your eyes to a lost world that desperately needs the gospel. The problem with worship and singing is, is we say well, th this is our worship time. But worship is practical. Worship happens before church. Worship happens after church. Listen, worship is not just singing. Worship is serving. In uh, Romans chapter 12 the Apostle Paul writes and he says, I urge you brothers by the mercies of God present your bodies to the Lord as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Listen, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual service of worship. And then he goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But Paul's basically saying, hey, worship isn't just singing. Worship isn't just praying. Worship is giving your life to the Lord each and every day. It's giving your mind to the Lord, your heart to the Lord, your thoughts to the Lord. Listen, worship is Bible study. This is a form of worship right now. How am I going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind without the Word of God? So this too is worship. 
Worship is giving in the offering. I don't hear any amens. Why? What's going on? Uh, what? Yeah. Giving in the offering. I saw a bumper sticker a while back that said, tithe if you love Jesus. Anybody can honk. Right? So you know, we get all excited. Well, you know, it's the practical things. Worship is being a good and godly husband and father for your family. Worship is being a nurturing and loving wife and mother. Worship is being a single person that lives a pure life until the Lord brings that right person to them. Worship is working hard with honesty and integrity. It's all of these things. These are all acts of worship. And in fact, if we are not worshiping from the right heart, uh, the Lord even says, I don't want to hear your music anymore. Over in Amos 5.23, the Lord says, Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. I want justice to flow like a river. God would at one point say, stop already. I don't want to hear any more of your songs if you're not doing these other things. That's why Jesus said, God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. Hearing about listeners whose families are impacted because of the ministry of Harvest is so encouraging. Pastor Greg, thank you for your messages. My husband and I were headed for divorce because of anger and addiction problems, but we stopped and went back to church. Because of that, we're in love again and have been together 25 years. We listen to your podcast every morning with our children while they get ready for school. God has prevailed, and it's been amazing to see our family happy today and mended. Thank you for spreading God's word. What a great story of how Pastor Greg's teachings from God's Word have made an impact on this family. And if you'd like to listen to Pastor Greg's podcasts, you can do that through Google, Apple, or Spotify. Or just go to harvest.org. That's harvest.org. Well, we're in Daniel chapter 7 today as Pastor Greg brings us a message called God, the Future, and You. Now Jesus makes an Old Testament appearance. Did you know Jesus is in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament? Not by name. But Jesus being eternal. Jesus being part of the Godhead. Part of the Trinity. Like the Father has always been and always will be. And now he makes an Old Testament appearance right here in Daniel 7 verse 13. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom that will never be destroyed. You know, it's uh, the phrase son of man was used often by Jesus 82 times in the gospels. Jesus said, you know, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So this is Jesus, the Son of Man, making this appearance. So Daniel saw the future, then he saw God, and finally he saw himself. He saw himself. Look at verse 15. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me, and I approached one of those standing there, that would be an angel, 
and asked him the meaning of all this and he told me the interpretation of those things. So here's the interpretation. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth but the holy people of the Most High will receive and possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Daniel's freaking out a little bit. He doesn't know what this all means. So an angel says, okay, here's the bottom line. Here's what's gonna happen. These four kingdoms are gonna come, but God's gonna have the last word. So don't worry. Don't be agitated. Everything is gonna be just fine. But here's the deal. Daniel was moved by his study of Bible prophecy, and we should be too. Studying end times events should not be merely an intellectual exercise or some kind of hobby horse. If I really believe these things that I'm reading, it should concern me. If I really believe what the Bible says about a coming world leader called the Antichrist and a time coming upon the earth called the Great Tribulation, that should alarm me because I don't want anyone that I know to have to go through that. If I really believe what the Bible tells me about future judgment and the reality of hell, that should concern me because I don't want anyone that I know to spend eternity separated from God. So Daniel was troubled by all of this and he was concerned by all of this. And we should be concerned too because again studying these things reminds us there's an afterlife. And not only is there an afterlife, but there's coming a day when even you as a Christian will give an account of your life before God. Look at Daniel 7.10. Judgment was set and the books were open. It appears there are books in heaven. Are these literal books? I don't know. Maybe. But I think the bigger issue here is there appears to be certain documentation of everything ever done by anyone on earth. You know, we have all of our information in the cloud and it can be hacked and all that. Well, God's database cannot be hacked. It's secure, but it's all there. So what are these books in heaven? Let me just identify a couple and we'll close. One of those books is a record of every faithful deed done by God's people. Again, one of those books is a record of every faithful deed done by God's people. Malachi 3.16 says, those who feared the Lord and talked with each other, the Lord listened and had a scroll of remembrance written in His presence concerning those that feared the Lord and honored His name. It's interesting because the Lord is saying, every time you speak my name, I pay attention. Do you notice when people use your name? Sometimes I'll be in some place with my son Jonathan and he'll say, Dad, Dad, I won't respond. And he'll say, Greg Laurie. All of a sudden I'll turn. Well, you know, I know my name. You say my name, I'm going to turn and look at you. You say the name of Jesus, he's going to respond. People use the name of Jesus all the time. Sadly, sometimes in profanity. Why is that? Why is it when I hit my thumb with a hammer, I don't say, Hare Krishna. <laughs> or I stub my toe, Ah, oh, Buddha, Buddha. No. Why do people say Jesus Christ? Because even in their twisted way, the non-believer is acknowledging there's no power in the name of Krishna. There's no power in the name of Buddha. But there's a lot of power in the name of Jesus. And if I'm around a non-believer and they say, Jesus Christ, I'll sometimes say, better be careful. He might answer you sometime. What? 
Yeah. He pays attention when we speak His name. So when we gather together for worship, the Lord's listening. When it says the Lord listened and heard, it means to prick the ear, sort of listen in more carefully. Oh, what are you saying about me? When you initiate a conversation about Jesus, the Lord is eavesdropping. He wants to know what you're saying. He loves it. And not only that, but He will reward you for every act of faithfulness. We're told over in Galatians 6, 9, let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, do good to everyone, especially those of the family of faith. So listen, everything you've done, God takes notice. And all of you that serve here at Harvest, thank you, and God bless you. You don't get the thanks you deserve. Maybe you haven't gotten that pat on the back or that attaboy, but the Lord is watching. The Lord is keeping a record and He's gonna reward you for every sacrificial act, every gift, everything you did, every cup of cold water that you offered in the name of Jesus. And there's another book in heaven and it's a book where God records your sorrows. Psalm 56, eight says you keep track of all my sorrow. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. You know, many people suffer in life and we don't know the extent of their suffering. Uh, maybe they suffer with an illness. Maybe they suffer with a disability. Maybe they suffer because a loved one of theirs died. You know, when you lose a loved one, people will gather around you and they'll offer their condolences and they'll bring you meals and, and they'll write you nice cards and say a lot. And then after a little bit of time passes, people won't bring it up anymore. And I think the reason they don't want to bring it up is because they don't want to make you sad by causing you to remember your loved one who has died. But what they don't realize is you're always thinking about your loved one who has died. Right? If you've lost someone, you know what I'm talking about right now. You're always thinking about it. And what you don't want to have happen is for your loved one to be forgotten. But listen, I have good news for you. Even if people forget, God doesn't forget. He doesn't forget. Every tear is in his bottle. Every day of sorrow, it's written in his book. Listen to me now. One day God's gonna make it up to you. And whatever you've lost, he's gonna give you something greater in its place and you'll understand why this happened to you. But until that day, just be reassured, it's all in the book and it's all gonna be good. One last book I wanna talk about. There's many other books I could mention, but uh, we don't have time. The book of life. That's the most important book of all. And that is a book that you want your name written in. And by the way, I know that my name is written in the book of life. You might say, that's pretty arrogant of you, Greg, isn't it? Not really. Because I know when I believed in Jesus, my name was put in that book. Now, I don't know if my name was already there because the Father knew I would believe in Jesus or if it was written the day I believed in Jesus. I don't think it matters. I just know it's there and I know when no one is ever gonna blot my name out of that book. I know my name is there to stay. And yours is too. So I wanna leave you with this thought today. You might be going through some hardships, some trials, some difficulties, but just remember this. Your name is written in the book of life. 
That's a big picture right there. It's written there. One day the disciples came to Jesus. They were all excited. Lord, we cast out demons. It's so cool. I'm paraphrasing. And Jesus said, guys, get a grip. Still paraphrasing. Rejoice because your name is written in the book of life. See, that's what you should rejoice over. But let me ask you in closing. Is your name in the book? Say, well, how do you get it there? By believing in Jesus. By admitting you're a sinner. By turning from your sin. And realizing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for your sin. And paid the price for every wrong you've ever done. Every sin you've ever committed. And He will forgive you of that sin. And put your name in His book. So you can know you'll go to heaven when you die if you will believe in Him. Have you done that yet? Have you asked Christ to come into your life to be your Savior and your Lord? Do you know your name is in the book? If you don't know that, let's get that resolved right here, right now. So in a moment we're gonna pray. And I'm going to extend an invitation to any of you here, any of you listening, wherever you are, and if you do not have Christ living in you, if you're not sure your name is written in the book, respond to this invitation now. Let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. And now I pray for everyone, wherever they may be, help them to see their need for you and help them to believe in Jesus so they can have their name written in the book. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. An important closing prayer from Pastor Greg Laurie. And if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to make a change in your relationship with the Lord and ensure your name's written in the book, Pastor Greg will help you with that in just a moment, so stay tuned. And then we're excited to make available a new DVD. It's the film called The Jesus Music. We hear contemporary Christian music every day, but it developed during a revival in the late 60s and early 70s called The Jesus Movement. Pastor Greg. It's interesting that the first wave of Christian music was called Jesus Music. That says a lot right there. It was a Jesus Movement and there was Jesus Music. And then it became contemporary Christian music. But what I love about worship is it's really going back to Jesus. The Jesus movement is no longer a California fad. It's a song-singing, hand-clapping, full-fledged, old-fashioned revival that's weaving the country. It was quite a thing. I mean, the Jesus movement made the cover of Time magazine. That's right. In fact, speaking of Time magazine, in the very late 60s, they put out a cover story. It had this ominous question on a black background with red letters. Is God dead? Question mark. But then just a few years later is this vibrant sort of psychedelic design image of Jesus with the words Jesus Revolution. What a difference a revival makes. You know, it was actually Time Magazine that dubbed it the Jesus Revolution. We called it the Jesus Movement. But they saw it as a revolution. And you know what? They were right. It was a revolution because it turned things upside down. Lives were changed, churches were changed, and music was changed. So one of the main expressions of it was in these new songs that were coming from these young men and women 
who had come to Christ and had their lives transformed. And so they started putting bands together. And next thing you know, an album or two are coming out. And next thing you know, it's like a wave sweeping the nation. Now, as mentioned today, we call it contemporary Christian music. But it started out as simple songs of praise and worship and proclamation written by some gifted forerunners out there that got this ball rolling. And we want to tell you this amazing story of this music that was born out of revival called Jesus Music. In fact, that is the title of the resource we want to send you. It's called The Jesus Music, produced by the Irwin Brothers from the Kingdom Story Company. You've seen, I can only imagine, I still believe they did those movies and they also did this documentary film. We want to send you a copy of the Jesus Music in DVD, Blu-ray, and a downloadable version for your gift of any size. So whatever you can send us here at Harvest Ministry so we can continue to teach the Word of God and preach the gospel here in a new beginning, we'll rush you your copy of the Jesus Music. So thank you in advance for whatever you can do. So I think you're going to love this. Get your copy soon. Yeah, that's right. Why not call right now? We have a 24-hour phone number, 1-800-821-3300. And we'll thank you for your investment right now by sending you the Jesus Music. Again, dial 1-800-821-3300. Or you can write us at A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or go online to harvest.org. Well, Pastor Greg, you've mentioned how someone can become a Christian with just a simple prayer. That's right. Uh, Maybe somebody would like to do that right now. Could you help them with that? Sure. I'd love to. A simple prayer is right. In fact, I would like to just pray a prayer, and I would ask you to pray it after me right now. Pray these words, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, but I also know that you are the Savior because you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again from the dead. Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for answering this prayer, Lord. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer and meant it, I want you to know on the authority of Scripture, God Almighty has heard your prayer, and he will answer this prayer. You are now a newly minted child of God. So congratulations, you've made the right decision, and welcome to the family of God. I want to send you a special gift because of that prayer you've just prayed. It's called the New Believer's Growth Packet. And in it is a copy of the New Testament in a very understandable translation called the New Living Translation. It also is filled with hundreds of notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment you've made to follow Christ. And there's some other outstanding materials in this little packet I'll send you as well. So order your copy today and let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. Yeah, and to get that New Believer's Growth Packet, just get in touch, and we'll be glad to send it right out. You can call us anytime at 1-800-821-3300. Again, that's 1-800-821-3300. Or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or go online to harvest.org and click the words, Know God. 
Well, next time, as Pastor Gray continues with his insights from the series End of Days, we take a look at the Antichrist and the role America plays in the events of the last days. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. The preceding podcast was made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn how to become a Harvest Partner, sign up for daily devotions, and find resources to help you grow in your faith at Harvest.org.